You are listening to KTCU 88.7 FM, Fort Worth. Welcome to Riff Ram Review, your TCU sports talk home right here on 88.7 KTCU. Here are your hosts, Seth Dowdle, Ian Nepetian, and Zion Trammell. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of Rick Ram Review, right here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. I'm Zion Trammell, and today I'm joined, as usual, by Ian Nepetian and Seth Dowdle. Boys, how are we doing today post-Super Bowl? How are y'all doing today? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. It was uh, it was a fun, crazy night last night watching the Super Bowl. I um, definitely have some thoughts from that, but uh, no, so far it's a good start to the weekend. Happy to be here, so... Yeah, it absolutely is a good weekend, uh, a good a good week of, of sports ahead, and which we're going to talk about that happened last week, including the Super Bowl. Uh, but yeah, uh, excited to get with it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know where to start other than big game was a big game, and it yep. was a very, very fun time. Yeah, we're going to be talking. We have a couple segments dedicated to the Super Bowl. We also have uh, an interview coming up later at the end of the show with TCU Baseball's Peyton Tolley. Uh, Super excited about that, so stay tuned for that. Uh, But yeah, let's get into it. We're going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl here um, as the Chiefs took home the 25-22 victory over the San Francisco 49ers, winning their second consecutive Super Bowl. And uh, yeah, unbelievable game. Just truly one of the greatest Super Bowls we've seen uh, honestly I, I was genuinely just stunned by the end of it that the Chiefs were able to pull that off and uh, get themselves another ring yeah no it was um, it's it's it was a crazy Super Bowl at, at first it was a very slow start I think um, and then as the game progressed it finally found some life to it for sure um, because because the game really picked up in that second half um, but but no for, for the Chiefs I mean what a team! Great coaching, uh, especially with uh, Spagnola and um, obviously Andy Reid and things like that. But no, Chiefs are just—I—I I, I feel like it's inevitable for the Chiefs. It's every year that they're tasked with having to come up with something else because you know whether it was a receiver leaving or injuries here and there or having the target off um, on their backs, just like Travis Kelsey was saying. Somehow, some way, they always find a way to win, and that's what great teams do. So, that's kind of the word I think. Inevitable. It feels, and it's not like a a bad thing in the sense of like evilness. I guess some people could perceive it that way, but um, it's like no matter what you know adversity is they face, they have a response, and that I think that's the perfect way to encapsulate that is overtime. Whenever. Uh, you hear reports of the 49ers like we don't even know the rules and then reports out of the Chiefs after the game it's like we've been talking about this for three months yeah. like what we would do in this type of scenario like in training camp we were talking about in the playoffs what are we going to do like they, they had this sort of they have this sort of clarity that other teams don't that seem to lack in, in big spots yeah no it's just like putting I guess um, what's the word I'm looking for I don't know, but they, they envisioned this happening, and then they were able to put that to, to paper and um, manifest. Yes, manifest. <laughs> yes, I couldn't think of the word. Uh, yeah, but it just it's unbelievable. I mean, really, San Francisco had a better roster up and down, I think, compared to compared to Kansas City's, and uh, you know, the one difference is is Patrick Mahomes. 
I, I think the 49ers just got outcoached there in that second half. Um, like you said, with Spagnola just disguising his blitzes, did a really good job there. And uh, Andy Reid with the masterclass there of play calling um, at the, in that overtime. Um, I'm curious, so do you guys agree with the 49ers electing to go for the field goal? I know it was fourth and four. Um, I know there were some people that felt, I, I think Tony Romo mentioned it a little bit, maybe you would have gone for it and, and see what you can do. But Yeah, I'm um, sorry, th this is the field goal in, the, in overtime. Uh, yes, yeah, sorry, in so, overtime, yeah. So that's the thing. I've, I've, I've talked to some people after the game, and I think looking back, it makes sense why they did go for the field goal because mm -hmm. the, the rules, I, based off the rules, I think what Shanahan wanted to do was he felt confident that no matter what points they put up or didn't put up, that they just had to match what the Chiefs were going to do. Um, and obviously t taking the ball in overtime first maybe is a little risky and you know perhaps that showed um, last night. But I, I, I feel at that point, the points are you. You need the points, and the Chiefs most likely you have to assume are are going to get down there and score at some point. So I would take the I would take the points. And the thing yeah, is also your 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 kicker has shown that he's able to kick. So that would be kind of perhaps a a, a rash decision to maybe not send him out there based off of what he's done. Um, you know, leading up to that, obviously aside from the PAT that got blocked. But I think looking back, yeah, I mean hindsight. It's 2020. Maybe you just say go for it there, um, but I think really Shanahan wanted to see if his defense could hold them to to can if if his defense could hold the Chiefs to those three points and then they get the ball for the for the, the second sudden, time on the on the third possession essentially for sudden death. For yeah. Sudden death so yeah, I, I I think that's the rationale. Obviously, in hindsight, is what aids us in this decision, of course. Um, I really would have been intrigued to see how it would have played out if they did go for it and how, you know, and I guess that's kind of how the entire game goes is there's so many of those, like, watershed moments of of times when uh, there's of times where there's a moments in the game and no one knows, like, when this happens, the game's going to change on its head and like we see those in hindsight but we don't see those in the moment like for instance the uh uh fourth down call in the third quarter maybe it was the fourth quarter that the 49ers decided to go for it on like a fourth and three yep. um in high in high if like they got it right so like we're not talking about it but say they didn't get it yeah like we're talking about that all day long mm -hmm. so it's kind of one of those things um another thing I think we, we're going to get hung up on like those decisions, but I think that the 49ers just had a couple of either unlucky breaks or just, br like, as as Patrick said in the Nickelodeon broadcast, you got to firmly grasp it. They were not firmly <laughs> yeah. grasping the ball. Uh, the the fumble on the opening drive, when they were moving it, that, that, that drive looked destined for six. Uh, and then the punt. Yep. The, the punt that was – the muff punt that was recovered by the Chiefs, uh, often, the Chiefs' offense was in total – quicksand up to that point and then they gave him the short field and that's when it got kind of rolling so those are the kind of moments that i think people should be pointing to it's not what it's this is like kind of the inverse of like the the lions niners game where you can point to like yeah well when they went for that one that's kind of when it changed or whatnot but uh there weren't like decisions it was more so uh 
either unlucky breaks or just you know what I mean. Yeah, there, I, if if there was one moment in the game that I would completely redo if I was the Niners, it would be that third and four at the two minute warning in mm-hmm. the fourth quarter. If you call a pass play, you need to complete that pass, or you just run it, whether or not you get the f- the first down or not, because at the very least the clock can continue to run, and then you kick a field goal, and the Chiefs maybe have 30, 40 seconds less. Or I the think Chiefs call a timeout, and they only have one timeout going into the exactly. Drive. And and so that to me, in the moment, that was kind of the the big uh oh. That's what gave the Chiefs enough time to then send this into overtime. Yeah, you know? I f- I felt like Kyle Shanahan didn't give the ball enough to McCaffrey in those kind of situations. Yeah, third down, you run the ball there and you live with fourth down, and at least you run the clock a little bit. Even in that overtime, before the fourth and four, they had a third and four, uh, and and they throw an incomplete pass, and then that's you know pretty much no question it's a field goal because in my eyes because it's four yards out. Mm-hmm. Um, if you run the ball, maybe you get one or two, and now you have that decision. So I just think there were certain situations where they they should have ran the football a little bit more. Um, and then bringing the blitz on Mahomes sometimes was just an absolute mistake. Y'all remember when Tony Romo literally said, yep, shouldn't have done that, when they yep. brought the blitz on Mahomes yeah. and he throws a crosser to Rasheed Rice? Like, yep. It's just those kind of things. Um, Andy Reid, man. And then on the other side, whenever the Chiefs blitzed the Niners, which they did over 50% of the time in this game, uh, just the Niners offensive line, was in shambles they could not handle it particularly on those two plays that y'all just talked about on the on the third down and four uh on uh in in the uh in the fourth quarter whenever they had the ball with like one what 154 left yep yep. that was the blitz and then in overtime chris jones untouched my super bowl mvp by the way (laughs) i I picked uh, yeah just it it frazzled him every single time there were people coming unblocked there on the uh, the Trent McDuffie and the uh, and Chris Jones, just no one was there, and not it's not that Purdy didn't handle it well. It's that there was really no time for him to handle anything. Yeah, you know what's crazy too is I I picked the 49ers to win this game, and I gave some reasons why. I said they are gonna they need to uh, Mahomes needs to be protected. If they don't, they're gonna run into some issues. And Nick Bosa was just terrorizing that offensive line and Javon Hargrave had a really good game for the 49ers and then I also said there needs to be a guy that that kind of needs to stand out and I specifically said Jawan Jennings or Kyle Juszczyk and then we rambled off some other names Jawan Jennings had a great game and yet the Chiefs like they still find I think that's what just is insane to me Mm -hmm. is the Chiefs just are inevitable they still find ways to win and uh I don't know what can what San Francisco could have done more as far as like building a roster to try and go out and win a championship, and now they've lost three in a row. Yeah, and and that's the thing, right? I again, when we look at these rosters, San Francisco, I I don't know if by far is the the correct term, but they definitely they definitely clear Kansas City's roster in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that you know whether you're looking at the offensive or defensive side, but. The Super Bowl really came down to the the, the, strate- the the strategic play calling in these big situations. It did. Kyle Shanahan, yeah, he's experienced, but we saw this happen again when the Chief, you know the the same Kansas City Chiefs team had to come back um, 
in the 2019, you know, 2020 season for that Super Bowl. And, you know, not saying that it's apples for apples, but Andy Reid's been here. Mm-hmm. And he's been here with the same players that he has now, right? Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes primarily. For the Niners, it's, it's I don't know, I, I don't want to say it's a lack of experience, but I think it's just the fact that the Chiefs have been here so many times, nothing flusters them. If someone goes down, it's okay. We've, we've got this. We have depth. Um, that's something I think that really hurt the Niners, too. Obviously, they had quite a few injuries. Um, Dre Greenlaw went down. Um, and then Kittle missed a couple plays. Debo. Um, Debo obviously came out and went back in at, at some point. But in those moments, it's like you need to call upon other guys that can step up. And it's not that Kansas City just had that. But because they've been in these situations, their players know the roles that they need to fill for these games. And if that means I'm going to be in for two plays while Travis is on the sideline getting what, whatever, concussion protocol or something, then those guys know exactly what they need to do. You know, And, and I don't know. It's Again, they're, they're inevitable. Every time you throw something at Patrick Mahomes or, or say, okay, he's, out, he, he's here without Tyree Kill, how is he going to do? I think he's going to do worse. I think he's going to do better. He did better. He found a way to get that team even farther than anyone expected. You apply pressure on him and, and say, well, he's not really quarterback that likes to run. He doesn't love to run, but he can extend plays even if he's roaming around in the backfield, right? That's what makes him so good, and I hate to say it because I'm a Raiders fan, but it's it's just inevitable. That's the only thing that can really be said about it. So, uh, To your point of like Chiefs players, even backups, know what they're doing. Whenever Kittle missed a couple of plays, the Niners backup tight end came in and immediately Warner. committed a hold, uh, holding penalty. Yep, that, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah. That, that's that kind of stuff. And obviously that happens with every single team, but it's the spotlight's bright, Everyone, it's everything's amplified, and, yep. and the Chiefs didn't crumble with the pressure. Um Especially in the bright lights of Vegas, it's very bright there at night, yes. guys. Uh, I don't, I don't know how. You need like blackout curtains on everything. <laughs> yes, to, to, to it's so the crazy there. There's so it's so so many things happening at night in Vegas. It's uh, it's crazy. They'll be back soon, and that for uh, for a Super Bowl, even. I heard some people were like complaining about the long lines and stuff, but I heard a lot of a lot of uh, compliments of. I mean, there's built-in infrastructure already. Mm-hmm. It's like New Orleans or Miami and whatever. It's uh, they'll be back soon, dude. If the NFL wanted to, I mean, if they they probably could do it there every year. They probably want that, honestly. Yeah. With how much people are gambling and stuff, dude. Holy cow! Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Also, some uh, also breeds craziness. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and, and rowdy atmospheres. Dude, there was a guy who bet Prize Picks. Uh, book it with Trent. He's a TCU alum, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, put down like a sixty-seven thousand dollar bet to pay out a million dollars. He was one Christian McCaffrey touchdown. Like he needed two, he got one, and they were so close on that fourth yeah. down. So, Trent, I'm sorry, dude. That was painful. I was I was feeling for you, man. So close to a million bucks. You always got. I, I what I've seen from him is you got to fade him though every <laughs> single time. He's always losing. Yeah. One time, not. like during the uh, during the ALCS, uh, he he bet on the Astros to win game six and okay. i was like we are we are good boys we are doing yeah we're, fine. we got this we're moving on to game seven <laughs> yeah. yeah um yeah but that was a good venue um really really enjoyed it but yeah. i like the stadium a lot i really like allegiant yeah 
And the field wasn't – a couple comments. The field wasn't slippery like last year. The refs did not make their presence too known. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even know that they were there most of the time, even though uh, on the Niners' touchdown, like the trick play, the Jawan Jennings touchdown pass, there was a mad illegal man downfield penalty that was missed. Oh, okay. But that is a, he was like 10 yards downfield. Uh, but that's fine with me because guess what? It was still cool. Uh, I, thought, I thought it was great. They did, they did a great job. Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, you know, we, we, we talk about, especially with the Chiefs, I feel like this season especially, there are times where the Chiefs got a lot of generous calls in the regular season, and then there were also times, obviously, with the Kadarius-Tony problem, um, and then when the Chiefs were trying to come back against the Packers late on in the season, right, there were some calls that definitely went against them. And to your point, Seth, the referees were very even in this game, and they really let the guys play. And, and I, I appreciated that. Um, to be honest, there were a couple calls where the Chiefs would go down like right at or right before the line to gain, and there were some egregious spots of the ball. Oh, yeah. Travis uh, Kelsey got first downs on like multiple, yes. multiple times, and they were like, no, she's short. And I was like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. And, and it wasn't even like, you know, in, I, you know I'm, I'm thinking, you know, watching the game, I'm like, okay, they called him short, it'll be like half a yard. It was the full-on yard. <laughs> And I was just like, okay, I mean, if the NFL wants to do this or, you know, if, if these refs want to, you know, make these calls against, against the Chiefs, I'm not going to complain. But, I mean, some of the calls were actually in, in the opposite, like, favor that I thought it could have been, you know? What's, yeah. what's funny about those plays, they, I, like, they're, they were, like, repeat offenses and they were, like, the exact same yes. thing was happening. Like, he would go down, his left knee would just, like, barely skim the ground, but he clearly would... He'd at least be closer than a full yard away. Yeah, and it was always like, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for the NFL to put trackers at each nose of the football, kind of like how how soccer. soccer has it with VAR, and because it's it's so much more important in football, I think, than it is in soccer. It is important in soccer for offside, but in football, every line is where you start from. It's not, you know, I mean, and, and inches matter. We've seen, you know, you know, like like the the disparity there. Um, so I'm I'm kind of waiting for the for for the NFL to maybe put some sort of tracker in the football or something, and you know, at, at either nose of the football. But um, yeah, because I feel like the, the the spotting of the football over the over the last few years has just been very inconsistent, and it's yeah. something that can I feel be cleaned up much more easily than than not well they already there already is a uh chip in the football they have already admitted that there is one but they use it for different things like next gen stats yeah for instance uh here's a here's a fun little nugget you can spew this at trivia parties uh on that run in the fourth quarter where travis kelsey got down inside the red zone on that 22 yard catch he he ran 19.6 miles per hour which is the fastest he's run since 2018 oh dang Hmm. His previous high this year was 16 miles an hour. Wow, dude! You said Kelsey, right? Kelsey. He's booking. It. He's a big yeah. guy. One of my friends said, uh, "Yeah, he looks washed." Uh, well, may, may need to check his facts. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty fast. Yeah. Um, that, that that's the thing. It's like they have trackers in there mainly for ball speed or, or or the height of the ball and things like that. Talking about the apex or whatever, right? But it's like it's like 
That's like, like non-practical. Purposes. I'm like, yeah, that's not. That's so not practical. Yeah. Like, I don't care that Amazon that you know brought to you by AWS. We're doing this, this, and this. There's a 10% chance he caught it. Well, he caught it. So there's your 10%. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like I want to know that the ball is starting exactly where it should be starting. Yes, and um, that we won't need to use index cards yeah. to see if the. Yes, <laughs> that is the funny, yes. that is the funniest thing. That's Thank happened. you. We like will not need 20, to. Yes, we will not need to use that. Uh, but uh, that'll wrap things up here for our first segment. We're still going to be talking about the Super Bowl but also kind of talking about the Chiefs as a whole and maybe some extracurricular stuff with like the halftime and whatnot but uh, stay tuned you're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice. The following message is brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council. The inherent right to work is one of the elemental privileges of a free people endowed as our nation is with abundant physical resources and inspired as it should be with the high purpose to make those resources and opportunities available for the enjoyment of all, we approach this problem of re-employment with the real hope of finding a better answer than we have now. Your stuff can be more powerful than you think. Your stuff can be a resource for change. Donate to Goodwill where your donations help fund job placement and training for people in your community. Goodwill. Donate stuff. Create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. Meet Designated Dave. Hey, Dave, my main man. What's going on, bro? Dave provides a valuable service to college students. Um, hi. I just got a call from Amber. She said she needs a ride home. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hold on a sec. Amber! Designated Dave is always on call, ready to lend a helping hand to kids who are too impaired to drive safely. Whoa, no Dave! Me. Hey, Amber. Dave, I'm so wasted right now. You don't say. Dave doesn't ask for a fare. Dave? Yes, Amber? He doesn't even mind if you Ralph on his upholstery. I love you! That's nice, Amber. But Designated Dave can't be everywhere at once. So if you're planning on drinking, be sure to plan ahead. Make sure there's a designated driver with you, or have someone ready to give you a ride. Oh my god, I love this song! This message is brought to you by your friends at KTCU. Welcome back to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice. My name's Ian Apetian, and today I'm joined alongside Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle. As we just finished up talking a little bit about the Super Bowl, but we still want to continue because obviously the big game is where it's all at right now. Um, Let's go back into the booth in Las Vegas and take a listen to the call from Chiefs Radio, uh, Mitch Holtis on the Chiefs Radio Network. McKinnon is in at running back. First down and goal to go. Play action fake. Right side throw. Touchdown! Kansas City! McCall Hardman! McCall Hardman with the catch on the right side! A three-yard touchdown pass in overtime! Kansas City wins the game! 25-22! And the Chiefs' kingdom has started its own history class! Because for the first time in 6,944 days, there is a back-to-back Super Bowl champion. And it is the Kansas City Chiefs, champions of Super Bowl 58, 
on the heels of Super Bowl 57. The Chiefs do it in overtime. Sounded like there's some hugging just yeah. just toward the end of that one there, but do wow! You, do you what think a he call. calculated that in in real time? Yes, he he, he had the calendar app quick, open. Yeah, quick <laughs> math right there. Yeah, I was like, where is he going with this thousand thing? I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely wonderful call there from 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 Mitch Holtis. Um, let's play the Kevin Harlan one if we have that too. First and go at the three, lining up in the clock at ten seconds and ticking, in the shotgun Mahomes. Four-man front, receiver motion, low snap. He runs and he throws, caught, touchdown! It's caught! Hardman caught the ball! The Chiefs have won! The Chiefs have won! The entire bench empties, chasing Mahomes in the end zone! Their third Super Bowl in five years! The Chiefs are back-to-back Super Bowl champions! It is a dynasty! The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 58, 25, 22 in overtime. Electric. Yep. It's so weird hearing Kevin Harlan for football, especially on radio for football, because um, I'm used to him doing more basketball stuff, obviously. Um, but just just another great call there from, from Kevin Harlan. Um, and it's funny, Seth, you and I were talking just before the show, and you brought up the point that, Back in the Super Bowl with the Chiefs and the Bucks, that was in 2020, but the 1920 season, there was a streaker in that game, and there's also a streaker in this game. But it parallels. Yeah, you know, everything comes back to the middle. Uh, there was a streaker in the game yesterday, uh, and if you know anything about Kevin Harlan, it's that he loves to describe the streaker because he gives a play-by-play. He gives the play-by-play. The guy is drunk. He that's that's yeah. that, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's at the fifty. Oh, he took a spin. He's that, been tackled. That is him. So I immediately ran to see what his call was yesterday's. Yeah. It was it was you know not his best okay. one because there were two of them. So he had to do a. It was like kind of confusing. Yeah. But in twenty twenty one in that Chiefs Bucks Super Bowl. Uh, there was a streaker, and it was a very memorable call, and it was it's too good to not listen to uh, tonight. Five oh three to go. Someone has run on the field. Some guy with a brawl, and now he's not being chased. He's running down the middle of the forty, arms in the air, and a victory salute. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Pull up those pants. He's being chased to the 30. He breaks a tackle from a security guard. The 20, down the middle, the 10, the 5. He slides at the 1, and they converge on him at the goal line. Pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man. Wait. And the players with hands on hips at the other end of the field are looking at him and shaking their head and saying, why, oh, why? Is this taking place in a Super Bowl? Kevin, <laughs> I've never heard that before. What? Kevin Harlan and streaker calls just never get old, do they? He's got on a bro. Like, he was so, like, amazed by that. He's got put your pants back on. Oh, my God. Iconic, dude. That dude's a legend, man. I found that today. I was the first time. I heard that for the first time today. And I can't believe that. I feel like that should have been more popular in its time. Yeah, yeah I, I've I, never heard it before. Yeah, that was the first time it has ever graced my ears. So, yes. um, but but going back to the calls from last night at the Super Bowl, we both heard Mitch Holtis and Kevin Harlan say dynasty, and that's kind of been the talk, right? Um, Chiefs winning their third Super Bowl in the last five years. They've been to 
what is six it straight six AFC six straight AFC yeah. championships. Um, talk to me about this dynasty. What I mean, you know, from from building it with Mahomes and and but it's not just about building it; it's about sustaining it, right? And they talked about that in post game. I was watching um, the, the the post game stuff with uh, Chris uh, with with Chris Berman and um, and and Booger McFarland, and they're like, look. It's one thing to go win it once, but it's a second to win it again the next year once you have that target on that on on your back. So, talk to me a little bit about this dynasty. What do you guys think? You know, what's next for the Chiefs? You know, what are your guys' thoughts on this team right now and in, in the current state of, of of the Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, yeah, I'll go. Uh, yeah, so I think I, I I think it does, in my opinion, uh, class as a as a dynasty. It's sustained success, and it's happened since Mahomes has entered the NFL. And they have an obvious system in place to be able to build this with the same head coach, the same QB. It's eerily similar to what Tom Brady and Bill Belichick built with New England. And it's not like they've had to build, you know, they've built good defenses, which is something that Drew Brees... Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, they didn't always have top quality defenses. This year they had a really good defense. Um, it just doesn't matter what the roster construction looks like. Kansas City's always going to compete. Yeah, I, I think it is qualifying as a dynasty, and they've won two in a row. They've got a chance for three, and we'll see what happens. I mean, but it's, I, I think from here, as, as long as you have Andy Reid, you got, and Mahomes, you're going to be in that race. What I find so fascinating is that the whole discussion is like they, they traded Tyreek Hill a couple years ago. What are they going to be able to do? They traded Tyreek Hill to get a better defense, and they got a better defense. Yep. They executed on what they needed with that trade. Um, and the wide receivers, albeit you know, like not good for pretty much the entire season, and one could argue in the postseason run, although better, were not great either. I mean, Justin Watson was one of the – best receivers in that game yesterday and i bet you like 70 75 percent of the country has no idea who that yeah. person is uh rasheed rice has just been ex excellent uh and then mccole hardman who was exiled to the jets at the beginning of the year and then returned like a prodigal son and continued to drop footballs caught the one that mattered and uh, and same with uh, marquez valdez scantling uh was dropping footballs all year long and caught caught them all yesterday uh and what's What's fun about this Chiefs team, as I'll go bigger picture now, um, is that it kind of it feels like it just came out of the it came out of the blue. Like they were, like they were good team. They were making the playoffs on on repeated basis, but they couldn't you know they wouldn't they couldn't win a freaking playoff game for a long time. Uh, and then they draft Mahomes. They send Alex Smith to the to Washington. He immediately tears his leg off. Of, but. And then they're in the AFC Championship game every year. They made the right pick. And you look at all the dominoes that had to fall, all the teams that had to pass on this generational talent. I mean, you, you think about the Bears who drafted Mitchell Trubisky at number two. Uh, you think about the Bills who traded the pick to Kansas City, uh, and they got Josh Allen, so they're, they're fine with every, how everything went. But uh, they, had to, they, they, they gave up a generational talent in Mahomes, too. So it's crazy how this all came about. Like it seems like it's all chance, but at the same time, you know it's like calculated decisions that just make it all make it all go and make it all work. Yeah, it's 
again, it's 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 that experience that they've had and that they they've brought in. At, at those leadership roles, right? I mean, that's the thing, because I think the one constant all these years, at least over the last six or seven years, it's been Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And no matter who they're surrounded by, um, it's it's they, they, they find a way to win. Whether it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling, um, someone who... Yeah, sure. I mean, you can you can say he's a big name. I wouldn't classify him as a big name, but he, he kind of came to relevance playing with Aaron Rodgers and then you know and then he finds his way you know at the Chiefs same with Juju Smith-Schuster last season when he was with the Chiefs it's it's all these they again they there's there's a sense of like randomness to the people they bring in but just like you said Seth it's it's so calculated because every time it pays off and it's not that it happens by chance every single time right um so that's that's one thing that's so special about this team and yeah kind of getting back to the talk about a dynasty yeah, this is a dynasty. Whether or not you win two or three years in a row, but they've they have been the leading force in the AFC for the last for for over the last like half decade. Um, and honestly, unless there's some big changes to be made at a head coaching position or something like that, which perhaps we might see Andy Reid over the next next couple of years, or maybe sooner than you know so, sooner than that. Um, I, I can't imagine seeing this Chiefs team, you know, slowing down. You know, another thing, too, that's kind of like on the back burner, but this is what happened with Michael Jordan and, like, all those players and, like, in the, the rest of the league is, like, their careers were minimized because of how good he was. Like, they were good basketball players, really good, and they could have had tremendous legacies, but they couldn't win the title because they had to get through Michael. It's kind of the same thing now that you're looking at with this Chiefs team in the AFC is that there's really good quarterbacks in the AFC. Josh Allen. Uh, Joe Burrow, right? Who, in another fantasy world, have won a couple of Super Bowls right now, but because they have to go through the beast, they can't. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, and we we obviously like things can change. You never know if Mahomes is going to make it back to the Super Bowl or if the Chiefs are going to make it back to the Super Bowl. Uh, Don't take it for granted, Chiefs fans. I'll just say that uh, coming from a team who is from a guy who's never seen his football team even make it to a NFC Championship game, let alone a Super Bowl. Please just. Go Enjoy have your, it. Have your parade and have fun. Yeah. But, uh, like, in 10 years from now, say the Chiefs continue this run, and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen have nary a title of their name, their legacies aren't tarnished. They're still good football players, but people won't look at them with the same light as had Patrick Mahomes never existed. And that's, yeah, what's, yep. and that's, that's kind of what dynasties do to, to leagues. Tom Brady, Tom Brady has the same effect on everybody else. And uh, it just sucks that it's happening in the AFC again. It didn't switch the NFC, mm-hmm. uh, which I mean, I'm fine with. I'm an NFC guy, but uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 tough to see how anyone can compete with him because, and not just not just him, but the team as a whole. Because if there was ever a, t- a time for it to happen, it was this year. This roster was was mitigated as being hor- not horrible, but not. Not, it's definitely the worst one. And then the Niners have a freaking super team over there. I mean. That, that's like the prototypical roster construction with a cheap quarterback over there, and even they couldn't get it done. Yeah, and it's 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 unbelievable. Uh, this was such a great Super Bowl, though. Honestly, it ranks as for me, it's it was one of the best uh, Super Bowls I've ever watched. Um, from the game perspective, you know, halftime. It's up for debate. You guys like the show, the Usher? Yeah, it was. You know, it's interesting. I'm 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 kind of thinking, man. No one else wanted to play, 
the Super Bowl halftime show. That that was kind of my thing. How many more people did they ask before Usher said yes? Yes, that that that's kind of my. And was one of them in one of the boxes? Yeah, seriously, <laughs> seriously. Uh, but no, I mean it, it was it was fine. Um, I'm not crazy about Usher's music. I I I also feel like Usher was much more relevant a decade ago. Um, having him in 2024 is just a little like. It's like, oh, you're you're a bit late to the party. It, it, it sings of having Paul McCartney, the uh, the Rolling Stones, and all those it, that kind of era Super Bowl uh, halftime shows in the 2000s, where mm-hmm. it's like these guys are popular, yes, but they haven't made a new song that has been relevant on the radio in a long time. I thought it was fine. It came out of the gate really slow. Yeah, but because uh, also the the mic, I couldn't hear him. Yeah, I, I couldn't hear him very well. Audio is not great. Design, um, did you like it? Uh, I don't know. It was okay. I mean, I, it was cool seeing Ludacris and Lil John come out for yeah. That was pretty cool. Um, I think it more. It just didn't really appeal to our generation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, cause we didn't really like. Yeah, we had Usher here and there. He had some hits, but I think more was like millennials. They were like, yeah, Usher. Like, and like, oh yeah, okay. You know, so. yeah. How he could have appealed to us. If he brought out the Beebs, I would have been very appealed yes, to if he I, brought out the Beebs. Yes, we were just talking about this before the show with um, one of the radio girls, yep. Joya. Yep. We, uh, I wanted to see Justin Bieber out there, man. Yep. Usher found Justin Bieber. Yeah, would have would have been cool. Although Bieber could headline his own Super Bowl halftime show, he and could it would be absolutely, lot, yeah. and that would be fine yeah. with me. I bet that's probably going to happen at some point. Oh yeah, more, more, yeah, definitely, definitely more possible than not. Um, now, now, kind of getting back to to more of the Super Bowl talk, right? Where we we kind of came into this game, the Chiefs and Niners. You feel like, man, a good chunk of the population could have seen this coming from the start of the year, right? Um, you know, obviously, two of the best teams coming into the season, they were the ones that ended up, you know, playing in the Super Bowl. Where does this Super Bowl reign? Because it, it, it came, you know, again, we came to this point and we're like, oh, it's the two best teams, it feels like. But then the game actually really gave us something interesting to watch. It was, there's a lot more strategy in the game than I had expected there was going to be. Um, and yeah, it started a bit slow. I was worried it was going to be another 13-3 to Super Bowl between the, you know, just, just like between the Patriots and the Rams back in like 2018. But where did you guys feel like the Super Bowl ranks? I mean, it's it has to be one of the one of the top top ten Super Bowls for sure now, perhaps. Perhaps uh, slow start definitely hinders its ability yeah. to get up there. Um, but I'm I I think it, it's top ten mostly because I'm just so enamored by the strat like the strategy they set, is particularly in overtime. Yeah. It's it, it it really pays off, and it gives credit to the NFL when their new rule. There's not like a definitive strategy to win because you can make arguments on both sides for taking the ball and for receiving the ball. Uh, and Shanahan gave it. So, like, that's kind of like my reasoning for like it is like it felt like a nerd. It felt like a bunch of like the nerds were out. And it's like it felt like a nerdy Super Bowl in terms of like decision making. And I really enjoyed that as, as one myself. Yeah. I, I, I found myself. So I, I was watching back at my apartment with about 10 other people. And every time there's a certain flag or there's a, you know, there's a discussion about a play, I'd find myself being the one to explain the strategy behind it and why you make this call as opposed to another. And it was, it was, it felt like a, like a little bit of a test, like, like as a fan to be like, all right, are you paying attention? Do you know football? You know? Um, Cause there are a lot of moments in the game where there were some calls that maybe an average fan 
wouldn't really understand the reasoning behind it, but there's a lot of strategy that went into the Super Bowl, and I like that. It wasn't just a shootout. It wasn't just, okay, it was a defensive masterclass. I thought both defenses played really well, and I think both offenses played really well, which is something we don't always get. So Yeah, that's actually a really good point, and uh, it's like a test of do you know ball? Uh, yeah, that's pretty interesting. I think it definitely ranks as one of the best Super Bowls I've seen. And, yeah, it just goes to show that coaching, you need the right coaches in place and know uh, when to make certain calls in certain situations. Um, and it's why the Cowboys haven't made it in 30 years. So I had to do it. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. But hopefully soon, um, you know, for, for, for you and uh, Seth, you know, the, the Cowboys can make it eventually. I'm so hungover on Rangers. Yeah, for Pies. now, I'll just watch Corey Seager and Adolis Garcia home go. runs. So that'll go. feed me for... Baseball! Yeah. Ooh. It's back. Soon. Baseball is back. It is P's back and soon. C's report soon. Yep, exactly. But, um, folks, that will bring us to the end of our Super Bowl talk. We've spent the, the majority of this first hour talking about it, um, but we do want to switch things over. And in the next segment coming up just in a few minutes, we'll be ranking NBA and NCAA basketball theme songs. So stick right here. You're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice. Hey, there he is. How's it going? I'm having a stroke. Are you going to shake my hand or what? I'm having a stroke. Wow, you're not even moving your arm. I'm having a stroke. Are you okay? I'm having a stroke. Your face looks weird too. I'm having a stroke. Are you having a seizure or something? I'm having a stroke. When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear. I'm having a stroke. You just need to know the sudden signs. Look for FAST, F-A-S-T. F, face drooping, A, arm weakness, or S, speech difficulty, then T, time. Time to call 911 immediately, because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment, and that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. Know the sudden signs, face, arm, speech, time. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. I want to thank my mommy for loving me so much, for taking me out to the park, for reading me books, for taking, taking me to the doctor when I broke my foot in ballet rehearsal, for leaving me alone when I wanted to be alone. And, and now, as a grown-up, I'm thankful for being able to take care of you, my dear mom, for having the chance to take you to the park, for reading you those books we enjoy so much, for being able to take you to your therapies after you twisted your ankle for understanding that sometimes you simply want to be alone. Roles change without us noticing. And in your new role, we help you help. Visit aarp.org caregiving to get practical health and wellness tips to provide even better care for your loved one. Remember, visit aarp.org caregiving. AARP, we help you help. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everyone, to We're Friend of You right here on 88.7 KTCU, The Choice. It's the boys, it's Seth, it's Zion, and it's Ian. We just talked about the Super Bowl for 40 minutes, and frankly, I'm kind of bored with football now. Get it out of here. Let's yeah. Get- <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, yeah, we're let's, done. Let's get the football out of here. Basketball is in now, but not actual basketball. Basketball music yeah. is in now, boys. Basketball music is in. 
is here to stay. In fact, if it were me, this would have been the halftime show, what we're about to do. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, because it is that much better. If you recall, a couple months ago, audience, we listened to football theme songs for college and the NFL, and we didn't rank them, but we gave them grades, right? Uh, we're going to do that today with basketball, college basketball into the NBA. And let me tell you, folks, I was doing this exercise trying to find the songs, and it is a lot harder to find these because only like three networks broadcast basketball. So we have stretched our knowledge. We have we have songs from way back then from broad from uh, from networks that don't even broadcast the wow. sport anymore. Uh, so we got ten songs. Okay. Uh, some from multiple networks because uh, I decided to play what the old ones were and what yeah. the new ones yeah. are uh, so we can compare and contrast. Yeah. So we're going to jump around in the NBA and college basketball because uh, I don't have a set playlist still. Set playlist here. We're going to start um, back in the old days with the NBA on NBC. Makes you think of the Bulls. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> Bob Costas, Michael Jordan. That's what that yeah, makes me think about. When did they stop having, when did NBC stop doing basketball? Early NBA? 2000s. Okay. Yeah, see, I, we didn't grow up with that. Absolutely did not. We were not alive yeah. when they stopped doing it. But, yeah. Uh, this was very, very prevalent. Was, in. in the <laughs> <laughs> he was. Matt probably remembers all of it. Yeah. <laughs> This was very prevalent in the Michael Jordan era Bulls because they broadcasted from, I believe, '91 to 2002. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 pretty good. Turn it up a little bit. Yeah, like our parents probably just got like a wave of like nostalgia just now. I like this poll, Seth. This was yeah, good. This yeah, I'm glad good you, I had to you go deep the, on the YouTubes to you, find yeah. this one. You went into the archives <laughs> for this, and I can respect it. Yeah. Deep on the YouTubes. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Let's give it a grade, boys. Remember the... Oh, the, yes, the, yes. you gotta, you got to grade it. Um, they got, well, they got to know if they did a good job or not, even though probably the people that composed this might be dead by this point. All right. Um, I'll go first. Um, I'm a strict grader, um, but I'll give this I'll give this an 8.5. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'll give it Set like... the bar there. I'll give it like a 7.5. Um, yeah. Sounds good. Well, now we're going to go to college basketball, and we're going to jump to... Uh, not the present, the past. This is still the past. So this is what ESPN used a while back, I believe, according to YouTube. Again, this was just a, a just so hard to find all these because you search up college basketball theme song X network, and it gives you like twenty thousand options from like twenty thousand years. So this is from uh, this was the one they used for a long time up to the one that they use right now. So let's give it a listen. Off that first like note, I literally thought they were going Imperial March, uh, the Star Wars first thing is like dun, and I'll like wait. Same company, so yeah. you could have been close. I literally thought we were about to get a Darth Vader entrance song here. I said this last time we were doing this with football theme songs. This feels like you're watching a sports movie, and there's so, like someone at a news desk talking about a fake player in a movie, and this is the music they bring back to bring it into like in, into the news show, or like some sort of montage uh, to see. Like, like, look, he can dribble between his legs. Yeah, now. yeah, maybe like High School Musical kind of thing. Yeah, know. not not the like you know the basketball portion. You know, I I, I do like this part though because it, it 
it reminds me of like college bands and I like that. I like that a lot. Um, like like college bands at basketball games or football games, things like that. Um, definitely has those vibes to it. I just don't know if that if if, if I think NBA with with this, this music. Called? This is college. Oh, this is college. This is college. Oh, got it. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we're we're, sw- we're switching we back go. and forth. We're switching yeah. back and forth. Uh, Gabby Martin, uh, one of the DJs here, is listening right now. She just said, "This is giving Airbud." <laughs> I totally see that. Yeah. Uh, I could see Airbud now. We'll grade that one after we hear what ESPN is doing now for college, with college basketball. This is great bumper music, by the way, for the show. <laughs> I, know. I, I just say. get like a Quavo, like. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of sounded like that. Like, yeah. Um. I'm not a fan. Mm, it, it's like, not like basketball to me. It just doesn't feel like it's basketball. Yeah. That's just me. This doesn't give basketball game. It gives pregame half yes. and post vibes, which yeah. they do use it for that, too. Yeah. So. Like title card type thing, yeah. you know. Yeah. So grade both of them. Uh, now that you've heard this one. Now you've now you've heard what we could have, and now you heard what we, what we do have. All right. Old ESPN 6, new ESPN Four and a half. Yeah, that's I'd say like six and a half, and then five. Yeah. Underwhelming. Underwhel- this was not a good uh, deep depths of YouTube so- song. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Not they a should, fan. They should, they should hire better composers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All righty. Get John Williams. Get John Williams indeed. Next up, the bane of everyone's existence. This is the NBA on Valley Sports. It's a little epic in the beginning. There we go. (laughs) Ah, man. This is the Dallas Mavericks taking on uh, the Indiana Pacers on a 8 o'clock on a Monday. (laughs) So random. uh, I like it. It's good because this, again, this is like a pregame show, it feels like. You bring it in, you're like, hi, I'm so-and-so alongside here, courtside. You know, that's what it feels like, you know. It's good. Just doesn't bring basketball basketball vibes to me. But then again, I don't watch anything Bally's because I don't yeah. have the subscription for it. So yeah. you don't need to. You don't need oh. to because any of your teams, all your teams, don't play on Bally's. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I give this. I actually give this an eight out of ten. I like yeah. it. I don't like Bally itself, but I like I like yeah. the song. Yeah, I, I think it's solid. I'll give it a six. Alrighty, six and an eight. We like Bally's, we don't like Bally's, whatever. They got composers, and that's all that matters. Next, let's go back uh, to college basketball, and let's do Fox. And I just want to preface everyone, before y'all hear this, I did not press the wrong button. What? Notice anything similar about this. Wait, yeah, what? College basketball on Fox uses the NBA NBC song from the 90s. Oh. I was like, like, what are you going with this? Interesting, yeah. Well, I guess one of their composers is is still alive. They're just just (laughs) working for a different network. (laughs) They just updated it a little bit, yeah. He just emailed himself the file. It's like, hey, bro, you copy this, and then uh, it's literally like the same thing. It's, uh, it's we don't the, to, you have it's, already given, given grades. I like so this. We, we don't need to, uh, I like it. Yeah. yeah, we don't need to dwell on Did it. Did I give an 8.5 to this? Was yeah. It, yeah, I think, okay. yeah. It's the same nine. angle. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give it a 9. Yeah. Wow, this they really did good there. 
They did. They did it so good that two networks have used it for two different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One is amateur sports yeah, and the yeah. other is uh, professional. Let's yeah. stick with the Fox theme. The NBA on Fox. When when is Fox had the NBA back before our time? Oh, this is nice. Yeah. Fox, bring back the NBA. Come on. Yeah, this is pretty good. This is like late 90s feel. Yeah, this also could be the intro music to a Sonic the Hedgehog video game. Okay. That's that's also what I'm thinking. Yeah, it, yeah, it gives like We Are Very Fast vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I give it like, I, I give it a seven. I give it a seven and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Seven, seven and, and a half and a seven. Yeah. That's good. That's good. That's good for Fox. Even yeah, though they I plagiarized, need, it's fine. Yes. <laughs> I, I need the Fox. I need the Fox. I need Fox to bring back NBA. Yeah. Because right now we only have two networks that yeah. broadcast the National Basketball Association, but we have three songs because one of them. And now I don't remember the exact lore here. I'm not mm-hmm. big on the lore for yeah. for, for, for for networks for network songs. <laughs> yeah, but that, we got we got two ESPN can't ones. Can't imagine most uh, people are now. One of these is the one they use now, and one of them. Uh, is the one that they... Well, actually, both of them, I think they use. One they use in the playoffs and one they don't use okay. in the playoffs. But I think that they use both, I think. This both. is the ABC ESPN ABC, one? ABC ESPN. Yeah. I, I'm just going to press one of them. We're going to see what happens. Three, two, one. Oh, okay. Instant 10. Yes. Banger. Instant 10, and I'm sad because what we have now. But, you know, this is... This is, this like is the Warriors. old one. They don't have yeah, this, this one this anymore. This was the Warriors dynasty. Yeah, Welcome I, into Oracle Arena. I am actually disgusted that ESPN took this away from us. Yes, we do not have this one anymore. Instead, listen we have another this, one. Just listen. Zion knows all too well. Now, this was, now I'm going to preface this. This was the first time I had ever heard. I'm not a big... I don't watch a lot of national broadcasted uh, basketball games. Uh, so, this was the first time I ever heard this, and I... I'm gonna. We'll spoil it. I. Oh, oh, oh. Sorry. <laughs> we love it so much. We <laughs> just had to play it again. No, I hate it. So just. Get... I uh, didn't like this one either. Nope. It's a travesty. It's a travesty. It's not, okay, I won't say it's terrible. It's just such a downgrade from what they used to have, man. Come on, ESPN. You gotta be better than this. You know when TCU hosts its club funk concerts before basketball season? Yeah. This is what I would hear there. (laughs) Yes. I remember, I think they introduced it this year, if I'm not mistaken. This was last year. Last year was the first one, first year that they used it. And I remember I'm watching a game and I'm like, wait, what is this? What? Hello? Yeah, no, uh, not it. Yeah, it's not it. I loved the old one. We need to yeah. cleanse the palate. One, need to that's cl- a one. We need to cleanse the palate. We need to go hit up Scott Van Pelt and tell them to go tell the people at ESPN to bring we it we back. we got to cleanse the palate real fast, real fast, real fast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Much better. So at the start of each game, I'm just going to turn down the volume and just play this at max volume on my speaker. It's so much better. And it's not that the other one's bad. It's just compared in comparison. Yeah, this is good. This is like Mike Breen yeah. with and, with uh, Mark Jackson and, you know, that crew. That's what it feels Jeff like. Jeff Van Gundy. Yeah, Jeff Van Gundy. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good one. Now, yeah. the NBA also broadcasts its uh, games on Turner. 
Yes. TNT, yeah. as they say. Shaq, Kenny, Charles. Yeah. Ernie, the yeah. boys. Beautiful. Ah, Luka Doncic is about to drop 50 points. It's so glorious. That's what I'm thinking of right now. They've got it. They're they're one of the best studio like yes. like groups inside the NBA. Yeah. Is the in my opinion the best pre and post game show. They're just so fun. They are so. They have such great chemistry. They can talk serious when they really yep. need to, but they're entertaining. And they're legends, so I, I, they're all goats. Love yeah. them. I like this Ernie, one, Seth. Ernie, Chuck, Shaq, and Kenny. Yeah, we got we had we, we closed on some good ones there. We did. We closed on some good ones, which is good. That means that we have momentum. But Zion knows that there's one more left. Bring us the best one. Mm, beautiful. March is here. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I, was, that's I was trying to think because my, my head was in the NBA realm for a sec. It's a crisp Friday morning. There are 64 teams in the bracket, and we're going to have some random 16 seed that you've never heard taking on UNC. It's, Welcome to the stage. Furman is playing Virginia yeah, today. Actually, <laughs> it's so great. Oh, my goodness. It's 60 degrees out. Just a beautiful day. God, I love it. Now, what's great about this is that CBS, TNT, True TV, uh, and uh, TBS all use it. So we got lots of lots it. of networks that 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 utilize this song, uh, and that is a good thing because it, it is that good. It is truly the one theme that never get like that never gets old, or one of the only ones. That yeah. Just never what's gets great old. about CBS is they have not changed up their theme songs in a very long time. They've used this one, their uh, football one for both college and mm -hmm. uh, the NFL, they've used those for years uh, because they know that they've struck gold with all of them. Yeah. No, and, and they're that good. Yeah, no, we definitely ended on some uh, high notes there for sure. Yeah, We did indeed because uh, we learned from the football one that yes. there could be low notes. And there were low notes in the basketball one, mm -hmm. unfortunately, uh, because everyone goes to work and has a bad day. My only fear is that are we going to get AI constructing uh, some theme songs for these networks and why is it going to be espn probably yeah, probably yeah. i mean if they ai probably constructed that last one that, that was so bad um i need to meet like whoever composed the march madness theme yeah would you want his autograph yes i would yeah. like what oh my goodness bro was composing with literal fire that's it's like that it's that meme it's that gunna meme where he's writing <laughs> uh, with fire that is literally or the you know playing the piano with fire man must have been like that's beautiful and what's good about this guys is that while we have closed the book on the basketball theme songs we will be opening it up for baseball here pretty soon because it is coming around the corner and we cannot wait. And that's what we're going to talk about next. TCU bas uh, not basketball, they're playing tonight. TCU baseball plays their first game on Friday against FGCU, and we're going to preview that and the season as a whole coming up next here on 88.7 KTCU, The Choice. This is TCU women's basketball player Sonona Prince, and you're listening to KTCU 88.7 FM Fort Worth. Go Frogs! 
Chris, you're not acting like a grown-up in our relationship. M2, M2! There's your comic book collection, the race car bed. I'm young at heart, but I put money into my 401k every paycheck. I'm taking control over my financial life, and that feels pretty grown up to me. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Are those footy pajamas? This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. So when you get to the corner of Smith and Orchard, you're going to want to take a you left. You are not going to Then what you're going to do is turn Marcy onto Marcy and just broke up and go past and the first three lights happy and then it. take the next left. I don't really think five she's more happy, blocks but in. you should be there. Who am I to judge, right? Park anyway, on the right. That's I'll what see I you heard later last tonight. Night. It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to episode 19 of Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice. Zion Trammell here with Ian Apetian and Seth Dowdle. We got some NFL talk out of the way. Got the NCAA basketball themes talk going. That was pretty fun. Uh, But now we're going to be talking about the greatest time of year. Baseball season is here and TCU baseball is back and ready to make another run to the College World Series. What a tremendous year last season was. The ups and downs, just a memorable season for these Horned Frogs that made it all the way to Omaha and in the Final Four, ultimately losing to Florida. But uh, a tremendous season, but now it's time to look forward because there are a lot of new faces. It's a young team, but they are currently right around that number five, number six in a lot of the polls across the country. So, folks, get to Lupton. A top five team in Fort Worth is ready to go. They will open up the season this Friday against Florida Gulf Coast. They've got a three-game series on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday um, at home. But, guys, let's talk about TCU baseball really quickly because we're going to have Peyton Tolley on uh, in just a in just a little while here um what are you guys expectations just quick thoughts about tc baseball overall yeah i'm for, for, i mean obviously i'm so excited for this um coming off the back of last season you know just just a just a terrific season uh, a season of two halves for sure um but I'm, I'm really excited you know obviously some guys left tcu for the draft and things like that and so it's it's going to be the, the complexion of this team is very different you don't have some of those veteran guys still there um, and those guys were big pieces so I'm curious to see how this team is gonna fill those voids um, both on the pitching front and you know when, when, when it comes to the batting order um, but I'm, I'm really excited we got a really good group of uh, transfer guys that came in a lot of exciting freshmen that you know wh- whether or not they play this year and hopefully stick around for next year I mean this this program knows what they're doing and I'm really excited to see what they can accomplish this year and how they can build upon it for for the next few seasons so I'm very intrigued to see how they handle the the pressure that's already been mounted on a 5 and 6 ranking depending on the way you look at it. that's a lot of pressure heading into a season particularly for a group as young as this TCU team is uh yeah, coming off the backs of last year, super excited, as y'all have said. Uh, I'm just more excited to see like where certain pieces are going to plug in because, as you said, Ian, a lot of you know people left. And so now, obviously, the question is, 
who's going to fill those roles. And we know Kirk is very tight-lipped about a lot of things, yeah. and so we won't know until he does yeah. so. Uh, but what we do know is the starting rotation, because he did decide to yap about that on another <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we do know that our guest, our friend, Peyton yeah. Tolley, will be starting on Friday yeah. with Cole Klecker starting on Saturday and Zach Morris on Sunday. Yeah. Ooh, baby. Yeah. So it's um, really exciting, especially once that news kind of hit, once, once you texted me about that set this morning. I was like, oh, man, it's coming together. Yeah, it's, coming it's close. Together. We've been speculating for months at yeah, this point. For too long. <laughs> and, like, yeah, too long for us to even, like, be making any sense about what the speculation even was. But now that we're, what, four days away yeah. from – I almost said tip-off. Sorry, first pitch. Yeah, from first pitch. Uh, uh, that it's, 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 it's becoming real again. That baseball season ended, it felt like, just such a short time ago, and now it's right back. In our in our in our presence, and yep. it's my favorite time of the year. I know it's uh, Zion says his favorite time of the year. Ian, you love baseball. I love baseball. It's your favorite. I'm an Ace fan. I love baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta love it. You gotta really yeah, love. Baseball, you gotta really man. love baseball. No, uh, I'm I'm really excited, and you know, I mean, we we've all been to games together at Lupton, and. It's such a fun vibe. Obviously, it's different than going to a football game or going to a basketball game, but it's it's so laid back. You feel like you're at spring training and you're watching your favorite team, your 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 you know your favorite college team, um, you know, having to go at it. So no, I'm 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 really really excited. And again, um, there's a lot of good looking young talented freshmen on this team. Um, and man, our, our our starting rotation, our bullpen, there's a lot and a lot of depth and so that that gives me some security going into the season and and i definitely like having having a a, a beefed up kind of you know pitching staff going into into game one so yeah because there were times last year where the starting rotation really struggled and they were just uh, kirk sarlos just ran out of options there just wasn't much else he could do he just tried to figure out the best ways to you know maneuver things and you know moved Klecker around um moved in uh what's his name uh, Luis Rodriguez you know and then he got hurt so there's just so much and now here this year they they really emphasized pitching and having Tolly, Klecker and Morris you, that's as as good of a, a starting rotation I think in the Big 12. So it's really good to have some security there. And then you got the young guys. You got Silva returning, Carson Bowen, Curtis Byrne. A lot of these guys coming back, and or well, not a lot of these guys, but some of those guys yeah. that really contributed in big ways last year, coming back to stabilize the offense. Yeah, and and not to mention even at the kind of back end of last year, someone that. I think really surprised all of us was Logan Maxwell. Mm-hmm. The way he filled in at le- in in left field when, you know, obviously last season Luke Boyer struggled quite a bit and to know that Logan Maxwell someone that had shoulder surgery to end his freshman year and he came into sophomore year and had to find his way into the lineup and, and starting again. It's it's fantastic to see that and and I'm and and I want him to build upon that as well. Um, you mentioned quite a few guys. Another guy I'm I'm excited to see is Brody Green. He's someone here that, you know, in in his freshman year, he was playing behind um, Braden Taylor, who was at third base, and even last year, Braden Taylor was still at third base and absolutely killing it. Then, you know. Brody can still play first base, but you had guys like David Bishop in in uh, you know, uh, two seasons ago, and then last year Cole Fontenelle kind of took that spot. So you're finally also seeing some of these freshman guys that have stuck here in this program, trusted the program. You're, you're, you're finally seeing these guys 
you know, hopefully getting roles and, and bigger roles on the team um, in spots where they will need to step up without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. We're going to, as you said, you mentioned Fontenelle. I'm excited to see who's going to be that guy that surprises us. Yeah. That's what Fontenelle kind of was last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew he was very talented. He, he's here for a reason, obviously, but he broke out to another degree that I was not expecting. I'm excited to see who that guy is. Maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe it's one of the incoming freshmen, maybe it's one of the transfers, uh, who knows. But maybe if there's a plethora of that, those mm-hmm. kinds of guys, maybe that would be a good thing. Uh, but, yeah, who will it be? How will Kirk utilize those yeah. new guys is another scenario that, we gotta, that, we're, that we've been speculating about as well. We, the rotation has now become clear, mm-hmm. but who's going to play center? Who's going to play first? Yep. Uh, what's the catching situation going to look like? You've got two really good options there. Mm-hmm. Um, heck, do you put one of those people, at, one of those guys at first base? Yep. Uh, a lot of questions in the air for TCU. And unfortunately for us, um, if we were to go track down Kirk Sarlis wherever he is, probably at home having dinner, uh, hopefully. Hopefully listen to Riff Ram Review. Kirk, yeah. wherever you are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's listening. Uh, if we were to t- ask him a question, he probably wouldn't give us the answer. Because mm-hmm. as Gary Patterson used to say, if you know, they know. They know, yeah. And uh, unfortunately that is true. But Kirk, come on, tell me who's playing center field. Yeah, it's, it's you know, that that's the thing. Coming into the season, and, and I think this is what gets me so excited, is there's so many different options that, TCU can have, whether it's on the infield or in the outfield, the the, the construction of the lineup. Um, one thing I'm really happy about is that we've got some, we've got quite a few lefties in the bullpen, um, or, or guys that I, I see coming out of the bullpen. Um, for instance, uh, Cademan Parker, um, Braden Sloan, those guys were, were with TCU, obviously, this last season. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how those guys build upon, um, you know, kind, kind of just build upon last year. Um, but also, again, getting to the bullpen, though, new guy, Ben Hampton from, from West Virginia. Excited to see what he can do. I've heard, you know, I've heard through the grapevine that he's kind of also pushing for possibly a starting spot. Um, he has experience being a starter at West Virginia. Um, a guy like Chase Hoover, who we saw last year become a Tuesday starter for some period, he has that ability as well. So not only is there com- not, sorry, not only is there depth, but there's competition for these spots. And healthy competition is always great because then you get the best out of everyone. And we know how the culture here is at, here is at at um. At, at TCU, and so um, I'm, I'm I'm really excited, just really excited. So insider Ian, there, that's some with some inside info on uh, on who was it? Ben Hampton. Yeah, Ben only, Hampton. Yeah. Only Grapevine resident Zion should be able to get things via the Grapevine. <laughs> oh <my goodness>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, um, and then yeah, another thing you mentioned too is players sticking around. Like that, just I think that really. Uh, speaks to the culture that Kirk Sarlos has adopted because in the day in the era of the transfer portal guys will leave to you know seek out better opportunities you know it's like hey I'm not it's not working I'm not playing here I'm gonna go somewhere else and you know sometimes the grass isn't always greener but for these guys their patience is being rewarded and yeah I'm really curious to see Brody Green now that you mentioned that I'm, I'm really curious to see what you know his role is gonna be um you also got Fisher Ingersoll, who played a little bit, I think, two years ago. Didn't really play much last no, no, year. No, no, no. Last year was his first year here. Was it last year? Yeah, yeah. But but he came in as a DH and a yeah. defensive replacement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, no, he's he's definitely someone that I want to see break through. Yeah. 
again, it's so for especially last year, it was tough for some of the guys that maybe had an outside shot looking in because at least in the infield because Braden Taylor ate up that spot. Yeah. When you know when Anthony Silva got injured. Braden Taylor moved to short, and then Brody Green went to third. But Anthony Silva played short all season. Uh, um, Trey Richardson was stalwart at second base, and then you had Fontenelle come in fairly early in the season, and, and he was he was your first baseman. And you know, but but now there there are still question marks, though. You know, again because as 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 much as we don't want to think about it, injuries are also a possibility, and we need depth. You're going to need depth if you want to get back to the College World Series or even win the Big 12 or win the Big 12 tournament. Um, this TCU team has their eyes set on the biggest of prizes, and you know, we're, we're just a few days away, but um, there, there still are some question marks here and there. So Yeah, it'll be nice to see it all out on the field as, you know, they're probably going to pick up some wins here in, in non-conference, but it'll be really good to see this team get out there and just kind of see how they gel together see it all kind of mm-hmm. you know because preseason talk is you know it's it's something yeah. to to look at but you got to actually be out there and, and on the field and working together it takes a lot to have a really good baseball team the chemistry has to be there the coaches have to you know be in sync with the players there's a lot that goes into a really good baseball team so it you know we need obviously we need to see the results on the field I, <laughs> I was like, oh. No, I, 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 I got, I got a thought. I got a thought. Don't trust me. I got one. I am excited to see TCU play the p- entirety of the Pac-12 and uh, send them off on a farewell. That's pretty much the non-conference schedule. It's the yeah. Pac-12 versus TCU. You got USC. You got Arizona. You got, you got everybody in the Pacific Coast Conference. It's, it's crazy how. Uh, that non-conference work. But it's a tough one, and Zion, as you said, uh, they might pick up some wins, and if they do, they're going to be really good ones. And, yeah. and that's that's what we're looking forward to, is if they can pick those up, they're going to put themselves in a good position moving forward into the conference into conference play, and then potentially getting a, a hosting a regional uh, once the tournament comes around. Yeah, I cannot wait. Uh, but Ian has left us. He's going to go grab Peyton Tully. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break because we got to get set up and everything. But don't go anywhere because when we come back, we're going to have an interview with TCU baseball's Peyton Tully right here on Riff Ram Review on eighty-eight point seven. The choice. Don't go anywhere. All right, folks, let's get started. Parents, thanks for coming. As many of you know, I'm Coach Mather. Tonight I want to talk about the season, of which I only have one expectation, that everybody gets stronger. When I say get stronger, I'm not referring solely to physical strength. Sure, we'll be in the weight room, we'll be running stairs, but we're also going to focus on developing mental toughness and grit because those are the characteristics that allow us to achieve greatness both on and off the court. So how do we develop those things? By getting comfortable with a challenge, by cultivating the confidence necessary to overcome adversity in all forms. That's why I coach. That's my purpose. Every member of this team can lean on me, and I'll teach them how they can lean on themselves and each other. This message presented by the UIL and the Texas High School Athletic Directors Association.
welcome back to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. My name is Ian Napetian, and today we're joined alongside by Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle, but we do have a very special guest joining us right here in the studio. Transfer for TCU baseball and starting pitcher on opening day this coming Friday. Peyton Tolley is right here in the studio. Peyton, thank you so much for coming down to the studio. Welcome. How are you doing here? So thank you guys for having me. I'm doing great. Doing great. Just uh, working up the season and getting ready to go. Yeah, there you go. Well, again, firstly, we're we're we're, we're so thankful for for you. You know, just giving us some of your time and coming down here. Um, how have you liked Fort Worth so far? You got here in the summer a little bit. You you obviously went through fall, uh, fall ball and things like that. How do you like the area? I love it. Yeah. I think it reminds me a lot of home. I think I'm not from a huge city, but. Fort Worth itself and right around campus has a really small town feel. Um, you know, I remember on my visit, we were walking around and there were so many people. Oh, hey, Coach Charles. Hey, how's it going? And we stopped three different people just randomly on the street. And I think it was there's something really special to me, just how small the community feels and how much support there is to the baseball f- team. And um, it's, it's definitely a really special area, even though you're in the middle of – I mean, a pretty pretty big city. You're you don't feel like that at all. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, quickly, just before we get into you know, into all the hard hitting questions, yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell our audience about who you are, where you're from, and your your journey in baseball and through baseball. Yeah, I mean, I'm a pretty simple guy. Grew up uh, Bethany, Oklahoma, which is just outside of Oklahoma City. Um, got. Mom, dad, brother, two dogs, um, Rangers like 15 years old. He's my favorite dog. And then Annie is another is golden doodle. She's the craziest. But, um, yeah, I mean, out of high school, just kind of got recruited, went to Wichita State, um, there for two years, uh, loved it there, loved the guys there. And then, um, yeah, ended up finding myself uh, in the portal and then ultimately choosing here, which the best decision I've ever made. Yeah. Now you you spent two seasons up at Wichita State with the Shockers. Talk to us about the process of becoming a two way player, whether whether that was in high school, but also figuring out how to bring that into the in, into collegiate baseball. Yeah, I think in high school it's I don't want to say it's easy, but there's a lot of people that do it, um, and then a lot of guys will end up falling into either being a pitcher only or just a position player. Um, but I don't know. I was just kind of one of those guys that that throughout high school just kept hitting, just kept pitching. I mean, at the beginning in high school, freshman and sophomore year, I would definitely call myself more of a hitter. And then sophomore summer going to junior year is whenever I really started to make my strides um, in pitching. And then uh, I would say going into college, I got recruited as a pitcher and then kind of had a couple good seasons hitting. And they – Coach Pelfrey called me up one night and said, hey, we're going to give you the opportunity. And then that's all that I really wanted was an opportunity. So getting to uh, getting to Wichita State and still trying to do the two-way thing was definitely a, a change just because it's more stressful innings, I guess. And um, obviously you're getting a whole lot more toll on your body with weights, more class, sleep schedule is not going to be great because you're living in a dorm with four other guys um so it's definitely a learning curve and just trying to get into the right shape get into the right mental capacity to to be able to do that and to be able to try to do that at a high level yeah you talked about you just mentioned a little bit about the the mental and physical toll what does that 
kind of entail as, as a two-way player and how do you balance uh, crafting both sides of it you know with pitching and hitting yeah I think the, the biggest thing that I try to do and this is probably because more on the mental side is I try to separate the two areas I try to keep like everything I do while I'm hitting be hitting things so then whatever I do to go to the mound or I work on a bullpen it's like I can focus on that and I'm not worried about how I hit that day or I'm not f- focused on last that bad I try to separate them and try to be uh, smart with like how my body is if I'm not feeling great I try to feel that I'm going to try to work for that um, understanding like I mean, you know, college baseball players hardly feel 100%. Like, they, uh, it's it's definitely a grind, but just understanding your body, knowing your body, listening to it, and not trying to push through crazy things, just being, trying to stay healthy as possible is Mm -hmm. is the key to, um, I feel like, a lot of what I've tried to do. It, it kind of feels like there's like a revolution of sorts with two-way players, a, a, a revitalization of it. Uh, obviously, Shohei Otani uh, mm-hmm. is doing it at a high level. I, I do have this one question for you that has been nagging my brain. Because at what point did you realize that, like, and it wasn't maybe wasn't when your coach called you and said we're going to give you this opportunity, but at what point did you realize I can do this in college? Like, I can do this at a high level because it's as you said, it's one thing to do it in high school. Uh, mm-hmm. I did it in high school, and I'm not playing yeah. college baseball. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's another to do it against these guys. Yeah, that's a good question. I would almost say that it might have been this past year was the first. So my sophomore year was the first year that I've been able to do um, hit and pitch in the same game. And I would say that the first game that I did that was like, Okay, so this is this is what it's like. Like this is this is what being a two way is like. And I think that was probably the moment where I felt the most like a two way. It's because my freshman year, I, I hit. I mean, I had a little over a hundred at bats, I think. So like a good chunk, but not a lot. Um, in pitching too, but didn't do both at the same time. Hardly ever in the same weekend, really. So whenever I did that for the first time, it was like the first time I was like ah. Like this is what being a two-way guy is like. Yeah, and and kind of just going off of that, you said that really last year at Wichita State, that was the first time you really you know pitched and hit in the same mm-hmm. game, or just like you said on the weekends as well. Is that the expectation of you this year, and is that your expectation as a player here at TCU that hey, when I go pitch, I'm I I also want to be in the lineup, or also being hey I'm gonna pitch, but tomorrow and, and Sunday I wanna I, I want to be in the, in the lineup for sure. Is is that your expectation as well? Yeah, I think that's the hope is to be is to do both still do both in the same game. Um, obviously, I think that this team that we have is very deep, and I think that if whatever the coaches want to do, whatever they think is going to put us in the best position to win, I'm all for it. If that's with me the lineup, or if that's putting somebody else in while I pitch, or just putting somebody else in in general, is I think that's what's going to make um, the the biggest difference. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to, to win because that's what I came here to do is to for win. Sure. For sure. Now, now, kind of just going off that, you, you, you come to TCU through the transfer portal. I know we've talked about it a bunch, and it's, you know, there's a lot of guys using it, whether it's in baseball or just mm-hmm. football especially. Um, 
What was your experience with the, with using the transfer portal? What was that kind of like for you? And what what did you want to find in a school and also a baseball program when you were looking? Yeah, I think it was it was a pretty chaotic process. Um, even like I think Wichita State at one point had thirty three guys uh, go into the portal one day. So I waited and didn't want to jump in make a make a knee jerk decision. Um, but once I got in. Let's see. I like telling this story because I think it's kind of funny. Is <laughs> I got in at directly six o'clock on a Sunday evening in Wichita, and I was going back home that night, and I left at about six o'clock right after. And that uh, that car ride, two and a half hour car ride from Wichita to Oklahoma City, I only listened to one song because I was on the phone constantly phones rolling in you know um and i also like that it was like 15 minutes of converse conversation each so that was, was pretty crazy at the beginning um and that was that night was whenever coach Charles called me he called me at the gas station okay. so i sat there and uh, <laughs> talked to him while my car was filling up with gas but uh uh, it, it was pretty crazy you know it the visits happened pretty quick um and then um, once I got to TCU's campus on the on the visit, it was it was incredible. Like the even my first time meeting the coaches, I got I got a big hug from Coach Charlos and I got a big hug from Coach Bruce. I'm like, well, this is different from the handshakes that I've been getting. So <laughs> from the from the get go, it was a lot of like family and um, was meeting all everybody from. Uh, athletic directors football coaches i mean everybody it was uh it was it was pretty special and like i was saying like you could feel how special fort worth was um and it was just you know transporters crazy and i kind of took the stance of whenever i'm whenever you know you know and whenever i came on visit it was really hard for me not to just say yes 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 mm -hmm. so uh you know i i committed about an hour after my visit and go back into the coach's office and get a big hug from coach Charles and coach Bruce jumps and jumps into my arms. I'm like, I, this is, this is pretty, this is pretty sweet. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's probably, I don't know if that was answered what you wanted oh, to yeah, ask. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. But yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. And I think the transfer portal, it has its benefits and I think it, it has helped college sports and, some ways but i think there's also the negative side of it that i think a lot of people can see so who knows it's benefited me pretty well you know i wouldn't be here without it so yeah you kind of mentioned how you were greeted by tcu was that something like the culture that really stood mm -hmm. out to you did the college world series run from last year have anything to do with it that that stood out to you i think a, a little bit i think i wanted to come to a place that was ready to win and like had a good foundation set because um, I want to my I want to play in the postseason. Yeah, I, like that's a dream of mine. I want to feel that feeling of nine thousand, however many people were in Lupton last year. I want to be able to feel that again. Um, so yeah, it definitely it definitely had something to do with it. But um, I know that it's not. A given, like we still have to work for it, and this team is is different now. We're a, a totally different team than they were last year. So, but yeah, the the people 
like the family aspect that they have. On my visit, I talked to uh, Sam Stoutenborough, Braden Taylor, and Trey Richardson, and like those guys are those guys are incredible. So I, it, it was a big embrace from the beginning, I would say. Yeah, and and just going off of that, right? You you talked about the culture. Why is culture so important to you? Like 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 I mean, mm-hmm. obviously it's 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 necessary to have it in the program, but you know, for you and because we've talked before, and you also mentioned a lot of the guys that leave TCU come back and they're mm-hmm. welcome in. Did that play a role as well in, in kind of just that culture of, hey, once you're a Horned Frog, you're always a Horned Frog, yeah. and especially with baseball. You know, I mean, it, it really seems like it's a it's a really tight-knit group of guys. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a reason why you have guys like Curtis Byrne and Luke Boyers who, I mean, we joke around with them because, ah, oh, you're old, old. But, like, there's a reason they're still here. And not only is it because they love it here, but because they're loved. And, like, they're amazing guys. And whenever you have amazing guys like that, the like, you're going to bring in more amazing guys. Like, there's all the new transfers, too. Zach Morris, Ben Hampton. Like, there's... Um, they're just good humans. Like they're just fun guys to be around. So, it once you establish something, that's that's what you're gonna bring in. Is it's kind of like a, if, you, if you build it, they will come. Like if you establish the culture on good people, good people are gonna come to your school. Yeah, and and you being both a pitcher and hitter, has that kind of helped to, to to your advantage of being able to gel with everyone, kind of working out with pitchers, and then also going going to work with some of the hitters? Has, has that kind of helped you? Yeah. I'd say I'm in a unique position just because I do get to I get to be with everybody and um, get to be in different meetings. But yeah, it's fun being with different groups of guys. Just so many guys are so, like so much different than each other. So um, like it was funny. We were it's like talking to Ryder Robinson, one of the freshmen. Like he's just at the goofball and like where it's me and. Cole Klecker and Zach Wattis and Ben Hampton all in a lab group together and like it's like there are pitchers and hitters but at the end of the day we're all one team so it's been it's been a lot of fun I do get to see hitters and pitchers and they're always like oh which one do you choose and I'm like I like being the middleman so (laughs) but yeah well let's transition to this upcoming season Peyton because Depending on where you look, it's uh, number five or a number six ranking in the preseason polls. What are your expectations? What's your excitement for uh, this season? I think I'm ex- I'm excited for how hard we're going to play. I think that the way that Coach Bruce runs this offense and um, the way that Coach Delora has the the guys on the base paths is is going to be really exciting because I think we're going to play hard. I think we're going to fight and earn games if that makes sense um so i think that's something that like is almost expected from us i feel like and i think the the tone that was set by last year's team um flows into this year with like we're here to wreck shop and we're here to like have fun too like we're we're gonna have a great time kicking people's butts <laughs> if if that if I can say that yeah. <laughs> so yeah um, i'm I'm just super excited about being out there with the guys, like I said, we're a super deep team, and like it's 
I've never been this excited for a baseball season. I think it's like you, you should be excited for a baseball season, but like it's this is something different. Um, I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. That, so. That's that's really awesome and exciting to hear. Uh, there's so many talented young players mm. on this team. Um, just talk a little bit about the youth talent that you've seen and who are some players that TCU fans should keep an eye on that they may not have before? Um, I'd say, well, one guy that has been in inner squads that has just had my number is Chase Brunson, a freshman. He'll be in the outfield for us. He's He's been pretty good. He's a pretty good player. Um, Ryder Robinson too like I just said he's gonna probably play in the infield a little bit for us they've really got those two guys are young spark plugs for us um, and then I think another one another guy too that's that's been here is Brody Green I think that he's been he had a great fall a good good preseason here but he's looking like his defense has been really good the way that I see it um I mean, I could go through all 40 guys that we have. <laughs> like, I could sit here for an hour and a half and tell you guys each guy. But it's it's been, I mean, like, you got Silva and Boyers, and then I got Sammy Myers, uh, another freshman, too. It's, I mean, it's it's special. And Carson Bowen behind the plate, it's it's pretty it's pretty special. I think another thing, too, is, like, you got Ben Abelt, who's, like, I think could lead the nation in saves. Like I think, like there's so many guys that are just so pretty. I mean, they're so good at what they do. Like it's it's really exciting. And I don't want to like jinx anything or anything like that. But it's I'm super excited just to see all the guys, see how it all shakes out with everybody. Yeah, well, it's 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 very exciting to to hear how excited you are because that just gets everyone else going. To to be honest, uh, and and talking about exciting, obviously, you know, you guys start this Friday against Florida Gulf Coast, and kind of just going along with that, this non-conference schedule is not a joke. No, I no. mean, you guys got you guys are. It's almost like you guys are playing everybody in the Pac-12. It feels yeah, like yeah. Um, UCLA, Washington State. Arizona, you guys play uh, USC twice at Globe Life, mm -hmm. um, then ASU, all before you get into that first series against Kansas away for Big 12 yeah. um, conference play. What are your, expect your your expectations of this team early on, and also what this what this whole kind of start to the season is? Because it's it's kind of going to hit fast, I, I I imagine. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's good though. I think that being tested early, I think you need that from a team. Um, it gives you a good idea on where you're at. Um, against some of the nation's best but one of our mottos this year has been start fast and from the get-go from the jump we're gonna like i said we're gonna play hard i think we're gonna we're gonna be here we're gonna be at home in front of everybody i mean even globe life i think that's just our second home so um from the get-go it's gonna be um we're gonna play play fast play hard and um, if you're not careful, we'll punch you in the mouth. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. So, um, I'm really excited. Like that, having that good of a schedule early on is big because you know, like you can kind of measure up against other other schools. So yeah. And then looking ahead to Big 12 play, is there any team that you're circling? Like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm I cannot wait to 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 go up, you know, to go up against these guys. I mean. 
I guess being away from it, I haven't realized how big of a deal the yeah. the, the, the team from Austin is. <laughs> I think I'm pretty excited yeah. about that yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, I mean that that one's a, that one's. A, People love people yeah. Fort Worth love <laughs> yes. to play that team. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I'm definitely excited about that one. Um, but I mean, the Big Twelve. I mean, is, is it's pretty stacked. Like they say, it's a basketball conference, but they got some pretty good baseball teams in there too. So I think from from top bot from top down, it's it's pretty good. So. Now we're gonna call a timeout on the interview. Timeout on the interview because guess what, guys? It's the rapid fire corner, Peyton. Oh boy! Yeah. I have thirteen rapid fire questions for you, and if you are willing, I will ask them to you. Are you willing? I am willing. All right. Now, for research purposes, these are the exact same questions that we asked Curtis Byrne, and we will compare them, <laughs> and we will see. I mean, there's no. I mean, they're not. There's like no right or wrong. There's, yeah. not, there's okay. no right okay. or wrong. Okay. Answer. Okay. It's yeah. just like it's it's, <laughs> it's it's just we're just gonna compare, and then we will publish our study in some scientific magazine. <laughs> so here we go. The rapid fire corner commences right now. Who's your favorite superhero? Uh, Thor. Who is your? What's your favorite sport other than baseball? Mm, football. Favorite sports memory? Oh, man. Going to the state tournament in my junior year of in basketball. Okay. How about that one? Oh, yeah. right. That was right. a non-baseball yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there you go. Interesting. What's your favorite planet other than Earth? <laughs> <laughs> You're taking astronomy, we learned. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Am I going to get canceled if I say Uranus? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. What's your favorite musical artist? Uh, Flatline Calvary. Okay. Oh, my. Are you serious? No, I love them. Oh, my gosh. I love them. <laughs> Would you rather have invisibility or super strength? Super strength. Do you think it it's wrong for vegetarians to eat animal crackers? Ooh, it's like, I feel like that's kind of against what they're talking about, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Curtis said pass. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, that's probably right. I probably, I probably made somebody mad right there. Okay. <laughs> what are you eating for dinner tonight, or have you already had dinner? Ooh, I thought about eating potbelly, but I did have, we had chicken and burgers in the pad. So I, I, had, I had a burger today. Nice. All right. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Elf. And there's... Yeah. Oh, Polar Express is up there. Okay. okay. One one A and one B there. Yeah. All right. What's your favorite baseball movie? The Natural. Okay. Mm, yes. Okay. Would you rather climb a mountain or jump out of a plane? I like climbing mountains. Okay. And what's your who's your favorite baseball player growing up? I can name that entire 2011 Rangers lineup. Yes. That whole, <laughs> yes. whole team. David Murphy, Mitch Moreland, oh. Nelson Cruz, Ian Kinsler, yep. Elvis Ann. Like, I could go on for days. CJ Wilson, Colby Lewis, oh, all those guys. Very nostalgic. <laughs> Zion and I just had a – I mean, we're a Rangers fan, so we, we, we get it. We get yes. it. And then finally, would you get a hit off yourself or strike yourself out? Mm. We did not ask Curtis this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, people have asked that to me a lot, and I think every time I say something different, I think we'll just say this. How about two out of two at bats? 
I go one for two with a double. Can I say that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's that works. works. There you go. That works. Thank that you so really much. Good. good. Good job in the rapid fire corner. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Great. Those were some of the best answers we've got <laughs> yeah. out of the people we've interviewed. That Seriously. Was great. Yeah. So, so I I have to go back and ask you about Flatland. Oh, <laughs> have, have, have you gotten to see him live? Yet? I haven't. You I saw haven't. Turnpike live. Okay. Okay. And that was incredible. Yeah. Billy Bob's. That was pretty incredible. But I haven't been able to see them live. Okay. The few times that I could have, it's been like uh, going home or something like that. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. No, they're they're awesome. I I saw them in Deep Ellum back in September, late mm-hmm. September, early October, and they were fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, I was taken aback when you said Flatland because I, I feel like not many people, I mean, you know, there's there's not a ton of people that, yeah. you know, are, are so crazy about them, but that was yeah. a good pick They're definitely there. like That was a good one. I could have gone to Zach Bryan or Turnpike Troubadours, yeah. but I was like, ah, we'll go with the obscure yeah. Flatland. Yeah, oh, nice. Yeah. There you go. I got a follow-up. I got a follow-up question. You went to the state tournament uh, in junior year of basketball. Oh, how far did y'all crazy, make it? Crazy quick question or quick story here. Okay. So we won't, we beat the number one team in this in the state in the regional final, and so we win. Right, we're moving on. That Thursday, we are getting on the bus to go to the state state basketball game. I put one foot onto the bus. They say we're getting off. We're gonna take a two week break because of COVID. Oh, I never got gosh. to play in a state state basketball tournament. Oh that my was, goodness! Wow. Yeah, that that's was that's why it was one. It's one of my favorite memories because it's like. Yeah, it was, we were really good. I, I like to say we're gonna win it all. Yeah, but yeah. But yeah, it was it was pretty. It was, that was that was a tough I, one. I'm gonna take a guess. You played center. So we, I, yes, I like I just, I played bruiser. Like yeah. it was, I was kind of like, okay, if you come in my lane, then you're probably gonna get fouled. I averaged like four and a half fouls my junior and senior year. There you go. Like two, three, four points a game, and then nine rebounds, something like that. Like we had a a guy he went and played college basketball. He was six eight, six nine. So he played center, and then I played the. The bully, I guess, is the yeah. good You're like the rot Dennis Rodman. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. Did they at least go. give y'all some recognition as being a finalist? Or in Texas, I heard that they gave everyone a pseudo, like everyone that made it to the state <sighs> tournament was like a champion of that year. Yeah, I haven't got my ring yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not yet. Not yet. We haven't hung the banner yet, but I'm okay. Okay. I'm, I'm signing. I'm trying to sign the position for yeah, it. There you go. They better. We'll, we'll sign it. We'll sign yeah, it. Yeah. Exactly. And and you also played football, right, mm-hmm. at Bethany? Yeah. How was that? Yeah. It was good. Yeah. I, I liked football a lot. Um, I, I, it was a whole lot more fun to play than basketball to me. And there were a couple of looks here and there for yeah. football, but um, I mean everything just kind of came back to baseball. Yeah. But football was fun for high yeah. school, I think. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, Peyton, we're 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 very glad that you're here at TCU now. You're a Horn Frog. Um, you know, seriously, th- thank you so much for coming on. But but the 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 last thing that we want to ask you, um, and this can be a message to fans or you know just just whatever you you want it to be, but. What do you want TCU fans to know about Peyton Tolley? What's what's your message to them about you and maybe about this team heading into this year? Let's see. About me, I'm I'm a pretty passionate guy. Um, you'll kind of know what I'm feeling like whenever I'm playing. Um, I feed off of energy from teammates, coaches, from fans. So, like I'm, 
I'm super excited to see what it's like out there, um, being able to pitch in front of everybody. But, um, yeah, I think, like I said earlier, I want everybody to know that we're going to play hard, and that's going to be the expectation this year is playing hard and not putting, not letting our foot off the gas from the very first pitch, from the very first game, starting fast and finish strong. Um, just never, never let the foot off the gas. Yeah. There you go. Now, um, just so our fans can reach you, where, where where can they reach you on social media? Where can they go find Peyton Tolley? Uh, I think it's at Rolly Tolley, R-O-L-L-E-T-O-L-L-E-49 on both Twitter and Instagram, or nice. X now. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. I know, X. It, it still gets all <laughs> yeah. of Twitter. Seriously. Yeah. It'll be Twitter to the day I die. <laughs> exactly. You get it. You get it. Well, Peyton, thank you so much for joining us um, here tonight. Really appreciate you coming down to the studio. Um, for the folks at home, that will bring an end to this episode here um, of Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice, but one announcement, the TCU Horn Frogs get underway uh, in 2024 this Friday, February 16th, when they host Florida Gulf Coast to a three-game series here at home at Lupton Stadium, and our man Peyton Tully will be stepping on the rubber for game one, so uh, really excited to get the season underway and, and, and uh, just wait for that first pitch. So, mm-hmm. folks at home, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Riff Ram Review and find us on Apple Podcasts Podcast and Spotify at Riff Ram Review. Until next time, I'm Ina Pishin, Zion Trammell here, Seth Dowdle, and Payne Tolley. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you guys next week.